The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present Savor 2015, an American craft beer and food experience from Washington, D.C. This salon was from Saturday, June 6th. Urban Creole vs. Royal Cajun, comparing traditions through beer. Presented by Carlos Knott, Bayou Tech Brewing, and Kirk Coco, NOLA Brewing Company. My name is Bart Watson, I'm the Chief Economist of the Brewers Association. It's my pleasure to welcome you all to Savor, an American craft beer and food experience presented by the Brewers Association, um, and more specifically to welcome you to the Savor Salons, which are, when I think, one of the coolest parts of Savor, where you get a little more intimate experience, you get to taste beers that aren't available down on the floor, um, and you get a little more close interaction with uh, brewery representatives. We've got Derek Lintern from NOLA Brewing Company, New Orleans Lagers and Ales, and um, Carlos from uh, Bayou Tesh um, today, who are going to be walking us through some Creole and Cajun beers and food pairings. A um, couple of house rules before I turn it over to these guys. Um, this is being recorded by craftbeerradio.com. So if you do have an excellent question and they've invited you to ask questions throughout, um, please wait until you have a mic so that the people who aren't as lucky as you and aren't here can hear your question uh, when they listen to the, to the podcast later. Um, other than that, have fun. You're going to be getting a, a food pairing that is designed to go with these beers, um, and, and the brewers will explain more about that when that comes. Um, so without further ado, uh, Carlos and Derek. Well, I'm going to welcome you all both in Cajun and Creole. In Cajun, we'd say, uh, como ça va, which is, uh, how's it going? And in Creole, it'd be something like, how's your mama and them? All right? All right. <laughs> What you hear in New Orleans. We don't say that in our part of Louisiana. Where you at? <laughs> Where you at's another one. So uh, we're very different breweries, although I think we're in some ways alike. Uh, but we're both, uh, both from Louisiana. A lot of people think Louisiana is just one big French melting pot, but it really isn't. It's pretty much divided into Creole and Cajun. Uh, NOLA would reflect the, uh, the Creole heritage, and we're more Cajun. Um, yeah, when, when you think about Creole and Cajun, uh, I first want to state that I am a transplant to New Orleans. I'm neither Creole nor Cajun, but uh, I've been down in New Orleans since about 2000 and, and come to love both uh, cuisines. So I'm sort of a, you know... Carpetbagger. Exactly. <laughs> Yankee, whatever you want to look at it. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's become my home, and I've come to learn and appreciate both of these, uh, these food cultures. Um, and both of us uh, try to brew our beers to, to pair uh, really well with these, uh, you know, these foods. Uh, you know, they tend to be uh, more spiced than the rest of the country's food. So we do try to do full-flavored beers, uh, and we do try lots of different stuff with lots of local ingredients and, and with a you know, Louisiana twist to it uh, out of both of our breweries. We, we seem to work on those. Um, but when you're talking about uh, Cajun and Creole, the, the main difference is you have the Creole, which comes from the city, uh, Creole is, is based out of New Orleans. It's, uh, the term Creole itself is from uh, meaning uh, anyone of the colonists that was actually born in the colony. So it would have been mostly French colonists in the beginning, uh, but then also Spanish colonists, uh, any other Italian, uh, German immigrants later on, and, as, and well as, as well as their, their slaves as well, the Africans. As as anyone well. who didn't speak English. So if you were like an uh, English speaker from America or from England, you were not considered Creole. It was pretty much anyone from continental Europe or Africa. Exactly. And uh, then the Cajun is the, the Acadians who came down from Canada 
Uh, we were kind of kicked out of Canada, uh, not so nicely. And uh, they ended up in, you know, with the, the swamps and the prairies and, uh, you know, all the, the land outside of New Orleans. And uh, they were a really, really hardy group of people, and they lived off the land, and that's where, you know, their, their food style comes from. So, you know, on face level, you have the Creole, which is, is a little bit more you know, fancy, maybe we'll say, and then the Cajun, which is a little bit more rural. But they do use a lot of the same ingredients because it's all Louisiana-grown ingredients. Um, so that's why there's a lot of confusion between what Cajun and Creole actually is, even though they are uh, two distinct uh, groups of food. When you, you travel the country, you'll see Cajun and Creole uh, used incorrectly quite a bit. Yeah, there's a lot of definitions. You know, uh, people say, hey, one's urban and one's uh, agrarian. That's pretty much true. But of course, you'll find Cajuns in New Orleans and you find Creoles in Acadiana. But uh, m my, my basic definition is the amount of pots you dirty when you're cooking. Um, a Creole meal, you'll dirty every pot you got in the house. And uh, Cajun, it's usually one pot, maybe two, but that's about it. It's more of a rustic kind of agrarian kind of cooking. One for the meal and one for the rice. That's right, that's right. Um, but yeah, he does mention with the, the, the Creole that they, they would use every dish in the, in the pot because usually uh, being in the city and, and being a little bit more fancy, a lot of times it was the, the Creole slaves who were doing the cooking. So they had all day to actually do the cooking, do all this stuff. And they had, were heavily uh, French influenced in the beginning. So you have a lot of sauces, a lot of buttery dishes, you, know, you have your remoulades and things like that. Um, and then, you know, it started out mostly French. The Spanish then came in and took over New Orleans. So we got really nice Spanish influence there uh, with uh, their different dishes. That's where we get our jambalaya from the Spanish paella. Um, you know, and then the African influence where they brought in uh, their okra, where we get the gumbo from and a few other different things. Um, but, you know, it, it was, you know, they spent a lot more time making the food. And, you know, it's, it's kind of always been that way in New Orleans, whether it is Cajun or Creole. People spend a lot of time uh, and effort on the food that they eat. Food is a very big part of the culture um, when you're, you know, not talking about what you're going to eat now, you're, you're talking about what you're going to eat next, and you're talking about what you ate last night. It's, it's a main uh, conversation that people have uh, throughout, you know, every day. Yeah, we just got beat. Uh, Mississippi is now the fattest state in America. We were number one, and we, we really think they cheated. I, I still think they cheated. Um, but uh, a little bit about the food. We, uh, we got all these meats tonight from uh, Cochon in, uh, in New Orleans. Now, Cochon is one of the few Cajun restaurants in New Orleans, so it's kind of neutral ground for both of us. It's a little bit Cajun, a little Creole. This is a, a ham sausage. I guess we can split this here. And uh, Jack, I can, guess you can talk about the beer and how it pairs with this sausage. Sure. So uh, this beer is our Sauvage Pale Ale. Um, it's actually brand new. This is actually has not been released yet. This is a test batch we, we put together and bottled just for this specific event. The, the first batch is going to be coming out uh, within a month. Uh, but we take our Rebirth Pale Ale, uh, which is named after the Rebirth Brass Band in New Orleans. We ferment this in uh, neutral French oak barrels uh, with uh, 12 strains of Brettanomyces, uh, known as the Dirty Dozen uh, strain from East Coast Yeast. So we have Rebirth Brass Band, uh, with Dirty Dozen Brass Band, uh, and that's why we call it Sauvage, uh, which is the, the main entrance to Jazz Fest in New Orleans, uh, as well as also meaning wild, so it's a little bit wild. And you get a nice, uh, nice Brettanomyces notes uh, from the, the long fermentation in the oak barrels. Uh, but then we also use uh, quite a bit of hops, uh, so it's not a, 
pale ale that you, you want to uh, age too long. You want to keep the hops fresh. But it's nice, crisp, uh, dry, really dry pale ale um, that, I mean, really any sausage that you would put with it, uh, I think, would be a great pairing. Uh, and I'm going to try this ham sausage for the first time here and make sure the pairing's up to par. So if you ever go to New Orleans, Cochon is like the place to eat. Uh, you'll stand in line, I'm going to warn you right now, they have a place in the back called Butcher, which is like a more informal version of Cochon. They've got a great sandwich there called a Pig Mac. It's uh, basically a pork Big Mac, it's delicious. But it's one of the must-go places in New Orleans. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite restaurants, and it is you know, technically a Cajun restaurant, but occasionally they'll do some, some Creole stuff as well, and that, that's why it's a good neutral pairing for, for both of this. And I would highly recommend anyone uh, to visit New Orleans to go check out Cochon. They, they are one of the better restaurants in the city. You guys have any questions on the, on the first pairing, on the first course? Eat sausage and drink beer and get ready for the nap after. Sorry, so did you say that you take the rebirth pale ale and you blend it, or do you just start with the same recipe and then? No, we start with the exact same recipe. Uh, we put it uh, directly into the barrels. It never touches stainless steel until right before we uh, dry hop it. Actually, so we. Uh, fermented out for about three months in the oak barrels, uh, and then we do a double dry hopping, so it's about two weeks worth of dry hopping in the stainless before we uh, actually bottle it. So it starts out with the same hops, but then we, we use galaxy hops for the dry hopping, uh, which is different to our, our regular rebirth, which we have downstairs, uh, which is a Citrus Simcoe dry hopped pale ale. Thank you. So then uh, on another note, a uh, difference between uh, Creole and Cajun, if, if you want the one sentence definition that a lot of people give you, it'll be that Creole food has tomatoes. Um, it's not always true. You'll find some tomatoes in you know, alligator sauce, pecan, and a few Cajun things. But uh, New Orleans itself has had a lot of uh, different influences over the time. So like I said, the French and the Spanish in the beginning. Uh, but then there was a large Italian influence as well, uh, and that's where we kind of get the, the tomatoes and, and the red sauces and things like that. So you, you have a lot of different cultures blending together uh, in New Orleans, and they're all using uh, the, you know, the indigenous ingredients. So it's also uh, a, you know, kind of a collaboration with the, the Native Americans as well, using the corn and, and the other uh, local indigenous stuff, as long as with uh, everything they imported from Europe and Africa. We had a lady uh, come visit the brewery from Oregon uh, a couple of months back, and she said, when I landed in, in Louisiana, I, I thought everybody had bad posture, but then I realized they're just always full. <laughs> and, and in many ways, that's, we, we just express our love through cooking and by cooking, and I think both, uh, Louisiana's divided into four, basically, but both the Cajun and the Creole areas, which is South Louisiana, do have a language of, uh, of cooking and of food, and it's... Uh, it's how we express our love to our family members and to people who visit. And I, uh, North Louisiana doesn't have near that same level of an advanced vocabulary of cooking. And uh, we have, for instance, like with crawfish, we're like Bubba Gump on every kind of meat and protein we have. Like with crawfish, there's crawfish bisque and crawfish etouffee, crawfish sauce pecan, crawfish stew, 
crawfish gumbo, and it just every, and, and if you're from Louisiana, you can tell the difference. And a lot of people visiting think everything's an etouffee. Oh, and, and uh, with the Cajun cooking, uh, I have some, uh, some good Cajun friends of mine that uh, they always, you know, when they were kids, they joke that they thought that the grocery store was for rice and vegetables, and if you wanted some protein, you had to go catch it or kill it yourself. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's a really uh, living off the land. You know, you'll get a lot of, uh, you know, wild meats, venison, uh, uh, wild pork. Uh, pork is a very big part of it. Um, and, and especially seafood. Seafood is a, is a very large part of it um, um, as well. But it's, it's really, you know, whatever the, the Cajuns could get, they, they would put in the pot and they would make it taste good. Um, you know, that's where a lot of the, the great, uh, you know, food uh, from around the world is taking something, uh, you're not having a lot of resources, uh, and, you know, turning something that most people wouldn't eat into something absolutely delicious. So, like the, I mentioned, the alligator sauce pecan, that's the way I usually eat it, but you can have chicken sauce pecan, uh, you can have, you know... Frog leg. Frog leg, yeah, squirrel. Well, we, uh, we cook with a lot of roux. Everything's roux, and roux is basically burnt fat and flour. And uh, we mix it with pork fat. And so that's why we have the best uh, heart hospitals in the countries in South Louisiana. We, we definitely eat... My doctor said if it tastes good, spit it out, and uh, we'd have to spit out everything, I think. Everything tastes good down there. Even like the grits are cooked in cream in Louisiana. Yes. Um, and then another thing that I usually associate with Cajun cooking, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but it it's, has the roux, but it usually uses the, the trinity as well as, as the main spice source. So they're not using a lot of, uh, you know, off-the-shelf spices. They're using uh, green onion, or excuse me, onion, celery, and green peppers. Uh, you cook those down with your roux, and, you know, that's where you get the majority of the, the base flavor for, for those dishes. And, you know, just sauteing those aromatic vegetables down basically until they uh, just turn into a mush in with the roux. And then you get some really nice flavors out of that. Uh, this next beer is one of ours. It's called Syrup in the Sky. And like we said earlier, uh, Cajuns are very agrarian people. And all around our brewery, they grow sugar cane. It's a big, big crop. And... Uh, Every, every year they have to burn the sugar cane so they can harvest it. And as they're burning it, the whole atmosphere smells like smoky and sweet. It's, it's a phenomenal and odd, odd smell at the same time. So we wanted to kind of create a beer that, uh, that that's tasted like that, the atmosphere smells. And so uh, this is a, a barrel refermented beer. We actually referment the beer in the barrel. Um, it has a cane syrup, uh, pistachios, Missing something? Cane syrup and pistachios and rye. It's a smoked beer with rye, pistachios, and cane syrup. It's refermented in the barrel. Um, it's paired with this sausage with the rice inside of it. That's called boudin. Uh, boudin is Cajun fast food. You'll find it everywhere from the finest restaurant to a gas station. And people buy it to eat while they're driving or you know, just uh, for breakfast or for lunch. It's, uh, it's everywhere in South Louisiana. Uh, the difference between one at a fine restaurant and like a gas station is the fine restaurant will put like a fancy mustard on the plate and charge you 12 bucks for it. And a, a gas station would be like two or three bucks. And it's everywhere. People eat it all the time. It's usually actually better from the gas station. Yeah, it is, yeah. So let's see, let's try this out. 
Um, there's a lot of sausage uh, involved in, in both uh, Creole and Cajun food. It's more so uh, in Cajun, but that comes uh, from the German influence in Louisiana. Uh, we did have a large German uh, influx uh, early on, but most of the Germans moved into the Acadian area. There were some in New Orleans, uh, so there's still some sausage and, and some curing meats there, but the, the majority of Germans uh, were out with the Cajuns, and that's where they get the, the heavy influence of the sausage. Uh, and then, you know, in the, the Creole, uh, that's where we get the Creole mustard from, the Germans as well. So it's just a brown, spicy mustard, uh, very similar to a lot of the German. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> so, uh, boudin is uh, it's a part of the, what we call the boucherie in Louisiana, in South Louisiana. Uh, when we were growing up, everybody was an agrarian, all the old people, and they would butcher a pig. It was like a communal kind of thing. Everybody would get together and butcher it, and uh, they would make different things. The hog head cheese, uh, we call tete de fromage. They would make uh, andouille, tasso, all the sausages. Uh, and they put stuff away. And one of the things they'd put away is the boudin. They'd make both uh, boudin blanc, which is what this is, and then uh, boudin noir, which is uh, the same thing but with blood in it. And it's hard to find now. There's just a few places that are grandfathered in that can still do the boudin noir. But this is boudin uh, blanc. I think it works pretty well with the, with the pairing. You get the smokiness. Uh, so it's almost like a smoked sausage with the pairing. But um, you, uh, it's, of course, not smoked. It's a fresh sausage. Yeah, and, um, you know, <clears throat> the reason I think uh, Cajun and Creole food is so different from the rest of the country is that we, you know, in the, the beginning of Louisiana, we were very isolated from the rest of the country. Um, we were surrounded by water in most areas. Uh, you know, we weren't part of America until uh, Napoleon sold Louisiana uh, to, to the states, so it was kind of separate, but we still had a lot of influence uh, from America, from everybody coming down the Mississippi River. Um, but we, we, were, we were always, you know, kind of doing our own thing. Uh, we have, you know, our very humid, hot weather, so we, we would, you know, cook what we can, or grow what we can, and make the best of it uh, with what we can. Um, and it, it's kind of, we were isolated, we were a little island for a while, and, and we, we developed the, this, this food culture that uh, I don't think will ever go away. When we were growing up in the, in the 70s and 80s, all the old people still spoke French. Anyone uh, who was an adult, French was their first language. And uh, they would call anyone who spoke English les Américains, which is the, the Americans. Uh, so even until like the 80s, people in our part of Louisiana didn't consider themselves Americans, they considered themselves uh, Cadien. Um, and it's funny because to them, uh, Americans or American was even worse than Yankee, the, the word. Yeah, and, and in New Orleans, it wasn't any better. Everyone that came down the river, they thought were just terrible people. I mean, they were pretty rough people to have to travel down the river on, on push poles, uh, push boats, and things like that. Um, usually, they they came from Kentucky, uh, so they called them uh, Cantucks, I believe. And you know, anyone that was was American was seen as as one of those rough and tumble uh, Kentuckians. And and the Cajun, I mean, the Creoles wanted nothing to do with them. The Creoles wanted to be, uh, you know classy and fancy, um, and the, the Americans are the, the, the Kentuckians were the ones uh, getting in fights, getting drunk, going to the, uh, you know, illicit houses and, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, they, they don't do that in New Orleans. 
No, <laughs> they, no. Don't, <laughs> they don't drink. <laughs> that, that definitely uh, influenced us. Like I said, people come in, we, we were not so sure about them at first, and then we just take over there with the best of their culture. <laughs> Bad influences. Bad or good. You guys, any questions? Next one's one of yours. Um, I wanted to ask, I don't know if you're going uh, to be addressing this later in the talk, but how does the culinary tradition influence the recipes of your beers? And how is that different, Cajun versus Creole, as far as beers go? Well, the, the way things are now is that, you, you know, where our beer goes out, anywhere in Louisiana, you're going to be able to get Cajun or Creole food. Um, I tend to think that the Cajun food is actually a little bit better. Um, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's really uh, heavily spiced food. So we want to have full-flavored beers. Uh, but, you know, speaking for our brewery, uh, we don't want them to be too bitter and we don't want them to be too high alcohol. So we do do a few, uh, you know, a double IPA that's, that's pretty bitter and night, like 9% alcohol, but for the most part, we keep our beers between four and 6% alcohol, but try to keep them very, very flavorful um, so that they do pair very nicely with the food uh, and you can keep drinking a few of them. Um, especially like if you're, you're at a crawfish boil or something like that and you're eating for, you know, two hours straight, uh, just very slowly, you're also going to want to be drinking during that whole time, uh, and you need something that will not only hold up to the heat, uh, but will also, you know, not get you falling over either. We kind of have the same philosophy. Uh, it's, it's hot. I mean, Louisiana, it's... In, in, the, in the spring, it's 90 degrees and 100% humidity, and it just gets worse from there. And so you definitely want to be able to throw back a few, but you also have the contrast of the food is full of uh, pork fat, and roux and spice and cayenne pepper, black pepper. So you got to have something flavorful, but still fairly sessionable at the same time. And you also need something that kind of cleanses your palate of all the spice and the, and the, and the roux. So I think, probably like you guys, we always have a, a specific food in mind when we craft a beer and we kind of think backwards, hey, what would go good with seafood or what would go good with blackened po' boys or something? Um, so we, I think we both do beers that we in mind that we definitely want it to go with a certain kind of food or a certain style of food. You know, and you can pair it however you want. We don't care. <laughs> but, but we definitely in our minds know that we want to do certain things uh, with certain foods. We have a, a saison that we do just for boiled crawfish. Um, it's uh, spicy, but still pretty low alcohol, pretty high carbonation. You cleanse your palate of the, of the different spices. And we kind of work backwards from the meal and craft the beers from that. All right, so uh, the next beer we have is Piety. Uh, this is also a new beer, but this is the, the, the first official release we put out of this. So we, we do 15 barrel batches of our, our Funk series, uh, as all the beers we're having tonight are from. Um, and uh, this one is our lower line beer, which uh, we have downstairs if you'd like to try that. We take the lower line, uh, which we normally let ferment out for three months, but we, we started uh, with lactobacillus for one week uh, and then we put it in uh, uh, fresh red wine barrels uh, with cherry puree, and we add Brettanomyces. Um, we usually use the Dirty Dozen strain, but we have a few barrels that are infected with other strains as well that we blend in. 
Uh, so it's uh, a really dry beer. Uh, it's got the oak, it's got the wine, it's got the cherry, uh, but most importantly, it's got the acidity from the lactobacillus. So it's, it's really nice and tart and dry. It's something you can sip on on the front porch when, you know, it, like Carla said, it's 100 degrees and 100% humidity. It's, it's something that's refreshing. Uh, it's only about 4% alcohol. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's very low in alcohol. Uh, and it, it's very, very flavorful. Uh, do you know which sausage we're pairing this with? I, I, I think it's the... Uh, the uh, All right, so this one uh, we're pairing with the, the, little sala the little salamis here. That's nice. And uh, what's so good about this pairing is the, the acidity really cuts through the fat of the salami. Um, sour beers uh, can pair really nicely with a lot of different uh, Cajun foods because if it's got fat, or you know, if it's uh, sweet, if it's spicy, it, it pairs really well with a lot of things. Or you know, it's, it's great on its own as well. This, this is a beer that you can you know sip on as an aperitif or, or sip on as a dessert. I mean, it can go really anywhere. Uh, it's very meal. nice with raw oysters. All right, I'll have to try that. I got some downstairs. <laughs> yeah, get get to the oysters downstairs before me and Derek do. There, there, <laughs> there may be none left. And I guess that's a, another thing that we're, we're definitely known for down there is, is the quantity of food we eat. Uh, I, I remember bringing some Cajun friends up uh, to the Northeast, uh, and we sat down at an oyster bar, uh, the four of us, and ordered four dozen oysters, and then the waitress nearly dropped her plate. She goes, four dozen oysters for four people? It took the, the shucker about an hour to shuck them all, because he's never done that many at once before. And, Usually, we'll sit down and eat a dozen, and if we're hungry, we'll have another dozen, and then we'll think about maybe another half dozen if we're, if we're really, really hungry. But and that's just the appetizer. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that, that, that's a happy hour, and then we'll go have dinner later. <laughs> yeah. they, they do have good oysters up here. They're very different than the Gulf oysters. Uh, the Gulf oysters are really thick and uh, salty, and you know, they're, they're great raw, but they're also great fried. So you'll, you'll get a lot of really nice fried uh, oysters. Um, and you know, served up on a po'boy usually, which is another uh, French influence. The, the po'boy bread was uh, the, the Creoles and the Cajuns trying to make French bread, but the humidity is so, so in New Orleans that it, it turns out a lot different than normal French bread. It's uh, really crusty on the outside and really uh, you know, cotton candy-like on the inside. It's, you know, French bread cooked at, at high humidity. What's not to love about fried seafood inside of bread? Yeah. I have a question for you guys to throw in. Um, so you mentioned um, the, the sour going really well with fat. What are some of the other characteristics in you know, Cajun Creole, what's known for being spicy, that people should look for if they're looking to, to pair beers with, with various Cajun and Creole dishes? What are some of the basic beer pairing rules that you would give people? I, I like to look for complementary flavors. Um, so something really nice, bready, or malty beer actually usually works pretty well with Cajun food. Uh, also, uh, we use a lot of spice. 
so actually hoppy beers work as well. Um, and if, if it's something that's a really nice, just a pale ale that has both kind of the hop and the maltiness, I, I find that it shines with Cajun foods. Uh, but our foods are so varied, uh, you know, if you, if you have raw oysters, the sour would be a much better pairing or, or our saison. Uh, but I, I tend to look for complementary flavors. And, you know, if we're looking at a, a, a particular dish, I'll look at the dish first because our, our foods are so varied. And if it's a gumbo, it's um, something that you want to cleanse the fat off your tongue from the roux. But if it's a sauce piquant, which is uh, like uh, tomatoes and spice, uh, then, then you're looking for something that just cools the heat as opposed to cleansing the palate. Yeah, and, and you know, as far as pairings go with the, the Creole and the Cajun food, there's a lot of Creole food that is uh, you know, not, not too spicy. It's got a lot of butter and a lot of other things in it, and it can pair very nicely with wine. But when you have something that's really, really spicy, you're not going to want to drink you know, a nice French wine with that. Um, is, is it's going to overpower the wine. But, you know, beer can kind of handle up to that heat and that spice. And, you know, I say heat and spice interchangeably. It's, it's not as spicy or as hot as people think. There's a lot of spices. Uh, you know, cayenne is one of them, but it's just a lot of flavor. It's not, you know, to burn your mouth, overpower your mouth. It's, it's, you get a lot of flavor in, in a compact form. So this, this little bite of salami here has, has quite a bit of flavor, quite a bit of fat. Um, and just like with any beer, not only does the acidity cut through it, uh, but you also have the carbonation, uh, you know, kind of the scrubbing bubbles to, to kind of clean, cleanse your palate and, you know, make sure your, your next uh, bite is nice and, and uh, refresh, uh, full flavored and your, your palate is clean. I, I would add, I guess, if you're pairing Cajun food with, uh, with beer, I, you can't go wrong with the South Louisiana beer. Pretty much all of us, there's what... Seven or eight of us now in the South Louisiana. It's about fourteen now. But yeah. it's just on Southport. Oh, South Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, ten yeah. of us in the yeah, South Louisiana. South. Pretty much all of us are pairing, are making beers that will pair uh, with Southern or you know Southern Louisiana cuisine. If if you can't drink the beer while you're eating, then there's no time for you to drink. <laughs> the the flavors in Louisiana are pretty over here, are pretty well known. Do you ever feel any need to? instead of pair to those flavors to make beer that, that have those flavors? Yeah, we, we do use a lot of local ingredients, um, not usually on our, our bigger batches because it is a little bit harder to get the, the amount of ingredients we need. Um, but just right now we have a, a collaboration we did with Seven Sun uh, out of Florida where we uh, use the, the Louisiana Mayhaw, which is a, a fruit that's only available in the month of May. Um, it's kind of like a crab apple kind of uh, uh, strawberry combination. It's a little berry, but it's, it's, it's a really nice uh, flavor. We also use uh, gumbo filet in a few of our things, which is sassafras leaf. Um, and, you know, just trying different spices. We do a, a blonde ale. We, we do a version of our blonde ale where we put crab boil actually in it to actually give it a little bit of heat and, and flavor. Um, so we, we do try to use a lot of local ingredients in our, our things, uh, but, but for the most part, we're trying to just make it, like I said, a full-flavored beer that's not too heavy and too filling. We do a few as well. Uh, we do one for our tap room called Makshu. Uh, Makshu is a Cajun dish. It's corn, tomatoes, and peppers. And so that's the beer. It's corn, tomatoes, and peppers. And it's one of the beers we probably sell fastest in our tap room. It goes quick. It's kind of spicy. It's really light because it's made with corn. And we do another one with a duck in it, and duck's huge in Louisiana. We uh, 
Uh, we eat duck all during the season. And uh, we brew a beer with a duck actually in the fermenter. And uh, the duck tastes phenomenal after it's fermented, by the way. And then also, uh, the beer has a nice savory quality. It's not, uh, it's not like you taste and say, hey, there's a duck in this beer, but it's got a nice savoriness to it. Um, so we try to do the same things, a lot of beers with uh, kind of Louisiana ingredients as well, and, and, you know, based on the foods. Now, a quick story, we had an old Cajun guy kept calling us up. He, he made gumbo beer. It had roux in it, and it had uh, dried shrimp and peppers and sassafras. And he wanted to bring it to us, and we kept saying, hey, look, we're not interested. You know, it doesn't sound very good, and, and it's not our thing. You know, we don't do that. Well, finally, he showed up with a bottle of this home-brewed gumbo beer with all these crazy ingredients, and it, it actually was pretty good. <laughs> we just can't do it now because he'd probably sue us. But. And actually, I think uh, more often than not, we're, we're not using the local ingredients in the beer. We're actually taking the beer and giving it to local chefs so that they can make food with it. So uh, we use our brown ale is used by a lot of restaurants uh, to do different, uh, you know, braising or, or sauces, uh, our stout as well. Um, not really money over hoppy beers because, you know, you, you kind of compound the bitterness. Uh, but there ha I've had some nice vinaigrettes and things like that made from our, our hoppy beers. But usually we'll uh, use the beer in cooking as well. Um, it's a, it's, you know, if you're not using uh, stock, using beer instead of water is, is a very nice addition to add a little bit more flavor into any, any dish. And, and uh, we have a lot of chefs and, and local uh, you know, people that use it. Uh, just, you know, we have a baker that uses our spent grain to make some nice uh, local bread and, and things like that. So we're use the beer a lot and in, in, uh, we have chefs use the beer a lot in the cooking. I think a lot of chefs will deglaze their pan because you'll, you'll saute your vegetables and you got to deglaze it and I don't even know what you call it in English but we call it grammy. It's all the stuff stick to the pot. So they use the, 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 our beers, uh, both of our beers to deglaze the pan while they're making the gumbo or the etouffee and they'll use it to make breads. We've had uh, chefs use both of our beers to make breads or pizza doughs um, or, or a nice risotto, there's one guy uh, using it, or beer batter for their uh, seafood. So that's probably more of a better use for our beer than <laughs> us putting roux in our beer. <laughs> uh, we, well, we're not going to say because we've got to sell beer to all the guys in, <laughs> in New Orleans that <laughs> have oysters. <laughs> I mean... There, there are a few places, um, I'm not going to name any names, but if you go into a place and they can tell you uh, the region where they got their oyster from, you look on the board and it just doesn't say oysters, it says oysters from here, oysters from here. Uh, those are going to be usually the places that have the best oysters because they care about where they source it from. Um, the, the Louisiana oyster industry had went through some really tough times after the, the BP oil spill. So. Um, it's, it's really important that you, you find a restaurant that is looking for good quality oysters, and, and there's a lot of them. Um, you know, I do, I do like the, you know, kind of pushing the best restaurants because they, they do some really good happy hours with oysters and things like that. But there's, you know, there's tons of great places in the French Quarter and outside that, that have great oysters. And throughout the whole Gulf part of the state, all the way to Abbeville, and, and be prepared, you won't get just three. I mean, you'll, you'll start with a dozen. You know, and a lot of times uh, people will say, we, we, you know, weather-wise, we have two seasons. We have, you know, summer, and, and then it gets cold a little bit. We, um, but we, the real seasons are what, what food is ready. So you have crawfish season, you have shrimp season, you have oyster season. Hurricane season. Hurricane season. <laughs> <laughs> 
either either of you do a oyster stout for the other and that's maybe not the style that you'd be looking yeah we, we have done oyster stouts in our tap room but uh you know i always kind of got a kick out of serving someone a beer and asking if they were allergic to shellfish first but uh it's not something i think we're going to want to put out partially for that reason and, and partially because it's, it's more of a novelty um but uh, a stout and oyster pairing goes goes really well. I mean, it's a real traditional pairing, and you'll see, uh, you know, if it's not our Irish Channel stout, a lot of oyster restaurants will have uh, Guinness uh, on draft as well. So, you know, stout and oysters go go great together. Um, you know, it kind of pairs really well with that nice saltiness. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't see us actually putting out an oyster stout. I don't know. If oh, us either. We've been asked a million times, but uh, we, we do a stout. Um, and when we release it at the brewery, we'll definitely serve it in shot glasses with the oyster in the shot glass. But uh, we, we won't do one. And, of course, Abita does a nice one, you know, uh, occasionally. So um, kind of hard to compete against Abita in our state. If they're doing something, just let them do it. So, Is there any particular place you guys take inspiration from, either in terms of like a regional, beer, regional beers or in terms of a specific brewery you guys really like? I mean, yeah, every, everywhere I go, I try to get some in, inspiration. Um, you know, personally, I, I really love the Belgian beers, so, um, you know, every every chance I get to, to go over to Europe, I'll, I'll make sure I, I stop in, in, in Belgium and go visit the brewers there. And um, one thing I love about, about going to Belgium is they're uh, you know, almost as friendly as, as Louisiana people. You know, that's that's part of the reason why I moved down there is is the, you know, the hospitality. I mean, it's you know, it's a really, it's, it's much different than even in the rest of the South. I mean, people will stop what they're doing, take you into their house, and, you know, you know cook for you. They'll, they'll do whatever you need. And, and you know, I kind of got that same reception uh, every time I'm in Belgium as well. Um, but I guess that, that was one thing I forgot to mention is with the, the Creole and the, especially the Cajun cooking, there are some really good restaurants, but the best Creole and the best Cajun food you're going to have is going to be at somebody's house. It's something where they've learned from their grandmother and then their grandfather. And, then, and that's actually one thing that I think is, is different from the rest of the country is uh, men and women were, are both chefs. They both like uh, expressing themselves through cooking because food is such a big part of, of the, the, the culture that, you know, everybody knows how to cook. The men get the glory dishes, though. We get, like, Easter and, and, and New Year's. The women got to cook, like, all week long. We get, like, the where everybody comes over, we get those dishes. So... I guess we still pull a little rank. I guess just that's the only part of life we still pull any rank. But or, or with the boucheries, we definitely. Yeah, boucheries. <laughs> As you you guys are enjoying your beers and finishing up, if there's one that you want to try again, feel free to, to flag down the servers and they can pour more. Yeah, this last pairing, it's a beer called Cop Cop, uh, and it doesn't mean policeman policeman. Uh, Cop Cop is Cajun French for uh, I don't even know how you say it in English, but it's a little click beetle. It's a beetle that clicks when you hold it. Um, and uh, Cajuns would ask it a yes or no question. If it clicked once, it was yes. If it clicked no, it was a no. If it clicked twice, it was no. Um, now this is a, uh, it's a, a French, a French style ale, uh, aged or re-fermented in whiskey barrels with uh, honey and elderflowers. And uh, what I didn't say earlier, both these beers are from my brother Byron, Byron not here. Uh, he's our, our, our head brewer, uh, works daylight shift. And he designed both these beers and named them both. Um, it should go well with, I haven't tried the sausage yet, but it should go pretty well with it. It's, uh, 
This was a real limited beer we did. We got three Evan Williams uh, single barrels, single-use single, uh, single use barrels. They were 10-year bourbons. And so we only did three barrels worth. And this is a, the last case we brought up for this event. So this is the last time you'll be able to try this beer is tonight. And uh, I know most people, when I want to talk to them uh, out on the floor or around, the, the, everybody's pretty familiar with New Orleans, um, and they love coming to visit the city. But I would really recommend people who come down uh, to South Louisiana to actually get out into Cajun country. It's absolutely beautiful country, and, and like I said, the hospitality can't be beat, and the, and the food can't be beat. You're going to get some real, uh, you know, honest-to-goodness rural, great Cajun food, and... Um, you know, you're going to have a really, really great experience. And, you know, wherever you go out there, it, it's not places that a lot of people visit. So whenever you do go visit there, they're always really excited to, to see you out there. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one of the, the reasons why I love New Orleans so much is, you know, I have the city with me, you know, all throughout the week. But if I want to get out, I can, you know, go an hour down into the bayou or two hours out into, uh, to visit those guys out in uh, Arnoldville or... Uh, out that way, and, and it's, it's absolutely beautiful country, and, and you know, you, you can go out there and you go fishing, go hunting, you know, catch your own meal, and then, you know, have a, a nice Cajun guy cook it for you. Well, we, uh, we had a guy yesterday uh, at one of the visitors, us, and he said, uh, hey, uh, I want to go. Is there any mountains to look at? And we, we, we don't have any of those. There's, there's, <laughs> there's no mountains in Louisiana. But what we do have next to the brewery is an actual swamp tour that will let you take craft beer on the boat with you which is the best way to look at a swamp. The swamps are no fun to walk through. Get on an airboat and get some beer, you'll be all set. <laughs> so I'm sure you guys picked the four best pairings you could possibly think of, but other than the four we've had tonight, are there specific Creole Cajun foods that you've had amazing pairings with? What are the, what are the best pairings you've had with Creole Cajun? Creole Cajun food over over the last few years. I think a po' boy with just about any South Louisiana beer is an amazing pairing. A po' boy is a, a wonderful thing. Um, it's it's fried seafood and bread, and uh, our uh, the one of my favorites is the, the roast pork. They call it uh, with the grimis all falling off. It's all like stewed to where it's baby food almost, and it's dripping down your elbow as you're eating it. With a pale ale is amazing. And we, we think we call that debris in New Orleans, um, just whatever falls off while you're roasting and it actually just melts. Um, but then again, uh, you know, like I said, if you're having, you know, gumbo or a sauce pecan or, or something a little bit spicier, something with hops is really nice. So, you know, I usually recommend a pale ale or, or an IPA, uh, but uh, something with a little malt and a little hops goes really, really nice with, uh, with this Cajun food. I can't think of any specific pairings uh, that I would suggest, but you know, you have good food, you have good beer. Uh, it's usually a, it's going to work out pretty well for you. And there's not a whole lot of pairings that don't work in South Louisiana. Most of our foods are pretty pretty beer friendly. Uh, they're almost like pizza. You know how pizza you kind of hard to find a bad beer to go with pizza. Cajun and Creole foods kind of the same way. We've got kind of the same thing. A lot of tomatoes, a lot of fat. It's about any beer is going to work with that. I mean, we have a lot of sausages, so beer will work with all of that. There's very few bad pairings. But where it gets a little tricky is with dessert, because our desserts are like even over the top. It gets a little harder to uh, pair uh, beers with dessert. But any, any of our main courses or appetizers, it's pretty easy to pair. Hi. Uh, thanks so much for coming, by the way. This is 
Awesome. Um, I'm just kind of curious, this is probably the wrong word for it, but like what the R&D process is for the beer that you guys make. I mean, are you guys like homebrew and then bring, bring it in and say, hey, let's like try this or do you guys just all like eat a bunch of po'boys and say, I wish we had had something that tasted like this and then you brew like 100 gallons of it. We, uh, like, we did a crawfish, I t- talked earlier, we did a crawfish beer, a beer designed to go specifically with boiled crawfish. We, uh, we homebrew every Saturday at our brewery, um, and usually it's pretty planned. We know in our mind we want to brew a beer to go with boiled crawfish, so we worked for weeks boiling beer on the same rig that we boil crawfish on. And we, uh, when we got close, we started boiling crawfish as well to pair them so we could kind of tweak the recipe. So uh, that's our kind of our process. It's a Saturday process. Usually uh, um, it's five, five, ten-gallon batches just over and over till we get to where we want. In our mind, we already know what food we want to pair with it, so we kind of work backwards from that. Yeah, we do quite a bit of uh, experimentation at the brewery. Um, we can our beer, so in, in order for us to put out a beer uh, in cans, it, it's, it's, you know, we have to be very, very sure we want to produce it. You know, ordering pre-printed cans, you got to order a truckload at a time. Um, so we do a lot of experimentation. Um, so if you come by the brewery, uh, our tap room, uh, uh, the new one we're opening up on Friday uh, is going to have 25 different taps. We have eight regular beers, so then uh, we have the rest of those taps are all experimental beers. Um, so we, we try lots of different stuff. We try doing our, our different beers with uh, different uh, fruits and hops and spices. Uh, but we really kind of let the, you know, the, the consumers try it and see what they like. So we've had several that have become super popular that we make on a regular basis. Uh, a few examples would be our breakfast brown, which is our brown ale with uh, maple syrup and cinnamon. Um, or uh, one that's really popular is our girl stout cookie. We do our Irish Channel stout uh, with cocoa nibs, lactose, and uh, spearmint, so it tastes like a thin mint cookie. Um, and that one, we, we almost can't make enough of it. But, you know, really with the, the size of our brewery and the amount of beer that we can produce, we don't have a lot of room to put in new beers uh, with, the, with the fermenters we have. We need to just keep, we need to do our regular uh, seven year-round year round beers and our, our seasonal beers and our few collaborations. But uh, with the new sour program, we're, we're trying new stuff a lot of times and uh, being able to do a beer uh, in a barrel gives you a lot of opportunities. So we can do a one barrel of something special and if it, it gets popular, we, we go ahead and, and step it up and ramp it up. But we're, we're doing experimentation every week. And we're kind of the opposite, actually. Uh, we do a lot of experimentation, but we release almost everything. So I think in the last five years, we've done 65 beers uh, released on bottles. Um, a lot of them are one-offs. Uh, and it's just we have ADD at our brewery. It's like every month, it's like, hey, what's a new beer? Let's do a new beer. So we do a lot of different beers. We release them. And most of them, like these two tonight, you'll never see these two again. They're just kind of one-offs. And, and so the two beers we had tonight, uh, we bottled. Uh, we have a very small uh, HDP hand bottler. So it's, it's all by hand because we want to keep the, the funk stuff away from our regular equipment. Mostly everything we do is, is cans. Um, so you'll see it in, if you go downstairs, you'll see we have our Rebirth Pale Ale in cans, but the, the majority of our beers are in cans or on draft. Um, you know, that does limit us to the amount of beers we can do. Uh, but you know, with, the, with the bottles and being able to slap a label on there, we can try some new stuff. But um, you know, it's, it's all, all infected already, so it's going to be a funky beer if it's being in a bottle for us. Do you guys like the, uh, the meats from Cochon? How about the boudin? The, uh, that's kind of a, yeah? Kind of a Louisiana thing. 
we talk about Buddha in other places, they look like we're talking a foreign language or something. Right, and uh, I don't know if we mentioned that, but we, we probably snuck, they probably snuck a little bit of liver in there because that's what, where you get the real good flavor. So y'all might not know if you like liver or not, but it, it's in there, and that's what makes it so good. We use liver in Louisiana like a seasoning. It's like in almost all the pork dishes, they sneak a little bit in just for a little seasoning. Yeah, and that, that's another good point is, you know, in the Cajun uh, tradition is it's, it's a very resourceful tradition. You use every part of the animal. So the boucherie we mentioned where you uh, slaughter a pig or harvest a pig, and you that day use every portion of the pig to make something. Um, From the rooter to the tutor. Exactly. And, uh, you know, with, with everything, you know, there, you know there's no waste uh, in anything. So, you know, you have a crawfish boil, there's leftover crawfish, you make a crawfish bisque. Uh, or you make, you know, crawfish mac and cheese or crawfish omelet or whatever. Uh, you know, you, there's, there's no waste. There's always, if you have food, you're going to find something uh, to, to put it with and, and to make it. Uh, it's, uh, very yeah, even with the crawfish, you save the shells so you can boil them later and make a stock. I mean, you just save everything. Yeah, uh, like I said, I grew up in the Northeast, and, uh, you know, when I saved the lobster shells after a boil, my parents thought I was crazy, but made them a bisque, and they were pretty happy. Um, so you guys talked about, none of these beers have been particularly hop forward other than the Sauvage, um, but all have a ton of flavor. Uh, you know, you mentioned Simcoe and Galaxy and that, but most of what we think of, especially like modern hops and stuff, the flavors don't seem to go very well with Cajun or Creole. Um, have you found any particular hop that you think is a really good pairing, like what, you know, an earthy or a European or something, or is that, like, do you have one that is like, this is the flavor that you always want to have, you know, that's not so citrus or something like that? I think hops go great with Cajun food. Uh, not only do you have the bitterness to balance out the heat, but, you know, the citrus or the pininess can go really nicely with that, uh, the food. I think hops go really well with that. Uh, the main thing, though, is we just don't want it to be too bitter. Um, usually our, our, like our rebirth's about 40 IBUs. Uh, I think our Mecca's about 55. That's the highest we go. Um, because if, if it's too bitter, it's not going to pair well. So it's, it's not the, the aromatics and the flavor of hops go really well with the food. It's just you don't want them too bitter. Um, and, you know, we're, we're not uh, the West Coast. You know, we, we have, a, you know, our, our beer culture in Louisiana is just starting to catch up to the rest of the country. So keeping our, our IBUs low really helps uh, not only with our, our market but in the food pairings. I, I'd agree. I, I think we have a double IPA that's only 60 IBUs. So um, I think... That's part of it. It's, it's not just the local market, because we're starting to get, catch up. People like hoppy beers in Louisiana. But it, it really doesn't go with our food. You've got so many, like, a, a delicate balance on the food that you kind of still want to taste it. Um, so most of our beers are around 20, 30 IBUs, tops. Um, you want to have the hop flavor, so a lot of our beers have a lot of late hop additions. But to answer your question, at, at our brewery, it, it really depends on the meal we're, we're finally uh, pairing it with. So we use a lot of European hops. Uh, a lot of uh, Czechoslovakian and, and, and German hops, uh, some, a lot of French hops because we're Cajun French. But we also use, uh, with the seafood dishes, we're tending to use a lot more of the Australian and the New Zealand hops. Um, they really work well because they have those tropical fruit flavors and they almost taste like that squeeze of lemon you put over seafood when you're going to eat it. Um, so we're using, they're, they're getting harder and harder to find right now, <laughs> but uh, we're starting to use some of those hops. So I think uh, it just depends on the final dish that we're planning on pairing that that beer with. Um, I think most of our cuisine is going to be those European hops, so. You mentioned French hops with uh, Cajun food. Are there 
beer influences that still come down from that Acadian culture to Yeah, Louisiana? exactly. Well, first of all, the French hops. Uh, we also have a Cajun music recording company with our brewery, and uh, we do uh, classic rock songs on Cajun French. We've had a couple of CDs out. And, and, and uh, there was a guy in France who is a hop farmer, and he loves Cajun music, so he said, hey, if you send me some, some CDs, I'll send you some hops. So we mail him, like, I don't know, 50 bucks worth of CDs, and he mailed us, like, hundreds of pounds of hops. So we've been using a lot of French hops in our beers. Uh, and they're really nice because they're not quite like German hops. They have a little more, a little more flavor, a little more the aroma and the flavor than the typical German. They're a little more elegant, the, uh, the German hops. And, and we do have a, a strong connection to France, even though we are, you know, all the different influences all around the world. So we, uh, in our brewery, we use quite a bit of uh, French specialty malt in, in most, actually almost all of our beers. We use some French specialty malt, uh, you know, just because we do feel some, you know, connection to France. And, and they make some great malts and they, they do have some great hops. We don't use their hops as, as much as, uh, as uh, Bayou Tache, but we, we have used them before. But... Uh, the, the French specialty malt uh, we use quite a bit. And actually we have a lot of tourists from France come to uh, Louisiana, France and uh, Quebec, and so they're pretty tickled when we say, hey, we use French malts, uh, both of us do, and, and French hops. Um, and then the one thing I didn't say, my favorite, absolute favorite hop for Cajun food is Liberty. Uh, we use a lot of Liberty hops in some of our beers. Uh, uh, it's kind of a cross between a European and an American, so it kind of bridges, kind of like our cuisine is kind of like new world version of European cuisine, and we find it really works well with a lot of our beer, uh, with a lot of our foods. Any other questions? Uh, just sort of selfishly, uh, are there any? I, mean, I guess you'd probably call them like mass market beers from the Northeast that you guys are really stoked on at the moment. Like, I, mean, I don't know, like some of the more well-known ones, Magic Hat, Sam Adams, Dogfish Head, like anything in particular. I love uh, Oligosh. Uh, five years ago, I came to our, we came to our, we've been to Saver three times, just our third time. And the first time I came, we were in this room, and right after we were walking around, I tasted some uh, Oligosh, and I'm like, I I'm giving up brewing. Uh, I... Uh, <laughs> I love that beer. It's phenomenal. A lot of great beers in New England, uh, throughout the country, but uh, that is one that um, it's it's amazing. It's uh, it's so well uh, flavorful and balanced and uh, it, artistic. I just um, it's I think my favorite beer in the country. Yeah, I, I can't think of any one specifically off the top of my head, but uh, you know, I'm always trying new beers. Everywhere I travel, I always go with an empty suitcase so I can bring a you know a suitcase full of beer home, um, and then just trying to pick up influence, uh, you know, different things wherever I can. Um, you know, th th that's the whole thing about being a small brewery is that we have the ability to change pretty rapidly, uh, and if we we really like something, we can go ahead and do it. So. You know, at the brewery, uh, every Friday we give a tour from 2 to 3 o'clock, which is absolutely insane because we give away free beer in New Orleans. So between three and 500 people show up every Friday. And so to kind of, you know, appease the employees after that, that just crazy slaughter, uh, we have a, a beer tasting where people, uh, either employees or people who have come by the brewery and dropped off beers, we every Friday sit down and taste other breweries' beers. So we, we all hang out and we don't drink any of our own beers. We only drink beers from other breweries. Um, 
because we, we wanted to see what's out there, what the new things are happening, because we, we, are, uh, we do have a lot of good beers in, in Louisiana that we can get from all over you know, the world, but uh, there's also a lot that we can't get down in Louisiana, and it's really nice just to be able to try what's out there and, and the new things that are happening. Um, you know, I, I, towards, uh, I kind of le uh, lean towards the, the more wild and funky stuff, so uh, you know, like when we, I'm looking forward to drawing, uh, having some Wicked Weed beers uh, after this uh, when we finish up here over at the, the City Tap House, but uh, you know, I always like trying the, the new breweries, uh, seeing what's going on, and there's a lot of new breweries opening up in Louisiana as well. Um, about three years ago, there was probably six uh, Louisiana breweries. There's 14 or 15 now with about a dozen in planning. So it's, it's always just great to try the new stuff that's out there. And we get along great, especially our breweries get along <laughs> great. But there's, we all pretty much in the state get along, um, which is which really nice. I've, I've, we've called uh, Nola, we've called Tin Roof, a couple other guys. Hey, I'm, I'm short this or this is broken. And we, we get along great. So it's a, it's a nice vibe in the state. Of course, you know, people in Louisiana get along pretty much already, and then once you put a few beers in them, they really get along. Yeah, that, that's one thing. I mean, I'm not sure if it happens anywhere else, but, you know, we are uh, kind of isolated from a lot of our suppliers, so if we need something, it takes a few days to get it to us, and a lot of times we'll just call up the other breweries and ask if we can borrow a sack of grain or a sack of DE or, you know, a box of hops, whatever we need, and, and more than happy to... to you know, reciprocate to all the breweries. It's a really nice culture. Or even advice, you know. Oh, advice called, all the time. <laughs> I've called these guys, and they've called us. I mean, it's been, it's been nice. And, and the other thing is, too, we only have two distribution channels in Louisiana, so we'll call each other and, and complain about distributors. So, <laughs> any, any distributors in here tonight? Right. You guys had any other questions? Well, we've used our hour, so uh, let's... Thank our two speakers for their presentation. Thanks, guys. One final note. They're still finishing up over there, so as you exit, please exit quietly and, or feel free to hang out. We still have plenty of great beer here. So. Hey, we want to thank leave. you all, too. We appreciate it. Uh, we enjoy coming up every time, and it's nice you all came out to see us. Yeah, thank you, and uh, we'll stick around if you have any questions you don't want to ask on the microphones. Uh, I'll be sticking around. I'm sure you will, too, and uh, thanks all for coming. Thank you for listening to this recording from Savor 2015, brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Savor 2015, as well as all of the salons from previous years of Savor at craftbeerradio.com slash savor or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com. <laughs>